Good morning, new community. You know, when I, I think I have to say good morning every week. When I was growing up, my dad had a thing where every morning, even though we were all looking at each other, he would say, you have to say good morning. So I think it's just my habit uh, that I do that. So in case you're wondering, like, didn't we already get greeted? Um, you did, but I didn't get to do it. So good morning, church. Um, so we have had a full morning. Some of us trying to get here, as Michael said, we had some uh, full announcements. And so just really quickly before I jump into uh, the message, I know uh, some people have already asked me, and more people will probably ask, Pastor Nicole, aren't you applying to be our full-time called pastor? And I am not. Um, you all are a great church, as Cece has mentioned, and honestly, I would love to stay. Uh, but recently, my husband got an amazing promotion, and our family will be relocating uh, to the Pacific Northwest. And so I know it's like, do you cheer for that? Do you cry for that? Um, <laughs> thank you. But, but here, let, let me say this. It is fully my intention uh, to be here, to walk with you all. It does not change anything that I'm doing. You will continue to see me here, continuing to see me do my work. The only thing that really changes is that, uh, you know, we will be entering the process, and I will not be one of the candidates in that uh, process. Um, with that said, I want to tell you a quick story. So uh, my husband and I, uh, back in our years where we had a lot more stamina, praise God, um, we were foster parents. Uh, we, I have a background in social work. Uh, my husband was working at the time for Lutheran Social Services, and his desk mate neighbor person did all of the foster care and was one day talking to him about how they needed foster families. And so, of course, my husband heard them, was like, absolutely, yes, we'll do it. And so I, he came home. He didn't tell me <laughs> that he had committed us to doing this, but he knows me and I was excited for it. And so here's one thing that I found about doing foster care. Uh, it was rewarding. It was wonderful, but it was tough. So whenever uh, we had a uh, child come to us, um, and I, we fostered various uh, kiddos throughout the years, but uh, the last uh, baby that we had, and she was a baby, she was newborn, we'll call her Baby Y to protect her privacy. She's, uh, she was reunited with her family, but when we picked her up from the hospital in the kind of foster care world, one of the things that they do, the goal is to reunite them with the family. Though I know that, and I'm clear about that, my husband would always remind me, you do know <laughs> that the goal is not for you to keep um, the baby. And so, you know, while I shook my head yes, uh, I did everything like I was going to keep the baby. Not because I did not believe in the system or the parent who was working on their case plan, but because that's who I am. Um, I guess the thing that made me a great 
foster parent also made me a terrible foster parent and that I was fully mom until I wasn't mom, if that makes sense, in that scenario. That is just part of my personality. That is who I am, that when I am committed to something, I am fully committed to something, even the hardest of the hard things when it comes to transition. So I, I tell that story, and I hope you don't find it offensive, <laughs> like I'm comparing that to you all or something like that, and in a way I am, but it's really about me and not you, and saying that I am fully committed, I will be here, I know there have been lots of changes, transitions along the way, and even this, for some, may be some jolting news, but at the end of the day, you'll still see my beautiful face. Um, I affirmed myself just then. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> Uh, I will be here. You can still make appointments with me to have virtual coffee and all the things. And um, I would still love to do that with you. Is that all right? Okay. Okay. Thank you. So at first, it just kind of started as one clap, and then it kind of gathered momentum. Praise God. I was like, oh, okay. Y'all with me. Let's jump into today's message. Is that all right? I want you to go with me to the Gospel of John. Oh, and if you have questions uh, for me, like Michael said, email him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Y'all can email me. You know you can email me. Talk to me anytime. I'm, I'm here for it. John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. <coughs> Swallowed the wrong way. Can you pass me that cup, CC? I don't want to be coughing <coughs> the whole time. Thank you. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings me great, this brings great joy to my Father. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you've already done in this service today. We are grateful and we give you honor. We just ask, God, that even now, God, during uh, this portion of our time of worshiping together, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, change us, challenge us, draw us into deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So we in this series have talked a lot 
about the person and nature of Jesus. And I'm, I'm hoping that you have found this series as a source of how to be equipped to go even deeper with Jesus, to really understand who he is, and then in turn, understand who you are. Um, you know, I grew up, and it was kind of a rule in the church at the time. We don't really ask questions about what we're taught. You just believe it because you are told to believe it. But I love series like this in which we dig deeper into the person of Jesus Christ as well, understanding who he says he is and therefore in turn understanding ourselves. So uh, here we are in the Gospel of John again. And this time, Jesus is saying he is the vine. And then in order to live fruitful lives, we must remain in him. Now this conversation is directed towards the disciples and as uh, one of Jesus's departure sort of speeches, this is one of the many that he gives as he's uh, leading, as this leading up to the time where he'll be crucified, he gives them this speech and he tells them, I want you to have some sort of not only knowledge, but comfort in knowing that you'll be able to navigate this life and this world, Jesus is telling them, even in the absence of my physical presence. So he tells them, he says, listen, I have a plan. That plan is for you to continue to grow and flourish. That plan is for you to bear much fruit. So I want to highlight today what I believe Jesus wants us to know uh, from this text, and that is how do we live this kind of fruitful life? How do we continue to grow and flourish? <clears throat> how do we continue to be who God is calling us to be? And so for the sake of this sermon, I wanted to kind of define the term fruitful living, I guess. Um, living a fruitful life means exercising my faith in God in order to produce res results in my life, two kinds of results in my life, results that please the Father and results that further his purpose for me. Yeah. True fruitful living means that I am exercising my faith in God in a way that results are produced in my life, that one please him and that second, further, my purpose. That's really what it's about. It's not about gaining more physical things and having more stuff and more accolades, but it's really saying that I, I'm living in a way in which God can see that I am devoted, that I am leaning into him, and that he is well-pleased, and that one day I will hear the words from him, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thus far, our conversation um, has been really around directing our lives toward right and righteous living. But as we pivot in this direction, talking about how to live fruitful, how to have our lives produce results that please God, how to have our lives uh, produce results that uh, push us closer to the thing that God is calling us to do. 
He gives us a couple of actions. He gives us a couple of things. He says, listen, in order to do this, it's going to hinge on a couple of factors. The first thing is you must remain in me. In verse 5, Jesus says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What does it look like to remain, though? In another verse in the Gospel of John, John says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is your truth. C.C. references earlier when he was leading us in worship, when he asked us to complete a verse, right? Um, uh, we, we have this idea that we can walk with him, know him, but then not read the word. <laughs> we can love him, we can talk about him, and he is really good, but then do we really know him? How can we know him without the word? That is the very first thing we talked about as we begin this series, right? In John, it says the word, essentially he comes down and he does, he becomes flesh. Jesus says, I am the Logos, this is the word. I am that. How can we really know him if we don't know his word? Remember I said I grew up in a church where they taught us about God, but you really didn't ask questions. You know, you just believed it to believe it. Well, I want us to be in a place where we really understand the Word of God. Therefore, we can draw conclusions about who God is, not just based on something great somebody said, but based on a truth that we know and we have received for ourselves. How do I truly know him? I must be consistently interacting with God's word, the Bible. <laughs> Y'all remember that song, the B-I-B-L-E? Yes, that's okay. I, one time, I'm going to sing a song and everybody in here is going to know it. That is like my goal. Um, I'm going to find one. Um, but it's in his word, and again, to quote more of John, because John is the superstar in this series when it comes to teaching, right? In John 8.31, uh, we, we read, Jesus says to the people who believed in him, he said, truly, you are my disciples if you remain faithful. Here's the thing. He said, faithful, not to following me around, not to shouting me out on the gram, not to tagging me on Facebook, not any of that. You are truly my followers if you remain faithful to my teachings. <laughs> are we remaining faithful to the teachings of Scripture, right? Jesus said, if you remain faithful for my, to my teachings, you are remaining in me. And then he says something that's so important, and I don't want us to miss this. Right after that, in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, 31, 32, is where this is. In the 32nd verse, Jesus says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you, somebody complete it. Come on. Got four people reading the Bible in here. Let's go. I know it's more than four, it's five. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
But he says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Here is yet another affirmation of this whole uh, first point that we just made about remaining in him. Jesus says, listen, if you remain in me, it is inevitable that your life will produce fruit. It is inevitable that you will begin to see results in your life that are not driven by your own desires, but that have been shaped by my word. You have spent time with me. You have delegated time in your life to me. Therefore, the real fruit emerges when you go out and you begin to live life. And he said, what is that do? What does that do? What does that look like? And I love the word freedom here. Last week I talked about how I struggled some with evangelism at some point in my life. God, what does this look like? How do I do this? What do I say? When do I say it? How do I say it? Am I too overboard? Am I too soft-spoken? Where do I land? But then I like that Jesus reminds us in his word that if you truly know me and you truly know the word, there is a freedom. There is a freedom in which I am not bound by my own insecurities. I don't get hung up on my own idiosyncrasies and uh, things that I think that aren't well enough or good enough about me. There is a freedom. You know, sometimes we really don't think about how major it is to Jesus that we experience freedom. Like he just doesn't want us to be here and live, right? He didn't die on the cross simply so we could go to heaven, but he created us. He breathed breath into us. He specifically planned out a route, if you will, for us. The psalmist says, you knew me in my mother's womb. You knit me together. Who is so intentional only to bring us into a world and not have us fulfill a purpose? God designed you. He designed me. He designed us so that we could go and do what he has called us to do. But in order to fully do that, we must have freedom. We must choose to truly live this life. It's the living for me. It's the freedom for me. It is the experience that God wants us to choose to freely walk in our purpose. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, 19 and 20, (laughs) he says, oh, that you would choose life so that your descendants might live. And you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. You know, sometimes when I talk about ways that we should live, you know, so that we can fulfill our purpose for God, so that we can experience this freedom, you know, sometimes that's not enough. 
to place that before a person. Sometimes we have to expand that and say, don't just do it for you, but do it for those who are watching you. Do it for those who are connected to you. Do it for those who are walking and need someone to reach out to them. Do it for the people you know. Do it for the people you don't know. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever shared the gospel with someone you didn't know? I have, and it was a little bit of a terrifying experience. <laughs> and it, we were introduced by a friend, and a friend said, hey, would you mind talking to this other friend? They're having a lot going on in their lives, and they just need to talk to someone spiritual. And I was thinking, well, that's not me. But I knew what they were saying. So I connected with this individual, and they asked me a really difficult question. They said, Nicole, how do you know God is real? Jeez. You know, I was, this is pre-seminary training, okay, pre-pastor days. How do you answer the question, a total stranger, if they say, how do you know God is real? And you know what I said to her? I said, I can't produce any real evidence. Like, I can't go to this document or that one. I cannot produce some long sort of theological dissertation based on here's why I believe that God is real. I said, I know that God is real because I'm standing here. Sometimes that has to be good enough. And I explained what I meant. I said, here's the one thing that's true. You can argue about different factors. You can argue about uh, different presentations and books. But one thing that I was sure of is that you wouldn't be able to argue with me about what I experienced with God. <laughs> you can tell me that the deliverance I experienced from God wasn't real. You couldn't tell me that the salvation that I received from God was not real. You couldn't tell me that my life was not positively impacted by having a relationship with Jesus. You couldn't tell me that God didn't exist because I existed. Therefore, to me, I could confidently say, if I am here, there must be a God. <laughs> there is something about understanding not only who he is, but who you are and who you are in him. That we can choose to live out this life as we remain in him, as we remain in the vine, and that we can be fruitful, that we can live out a life that produces results, one, that please the Father, two, that help us to walk in and fulfill our purpose, not just for us, but for someone else who may need to hear that story. And that young lady heard my story, and to this day, she will check in and we will still talk. She's had her ups and downs, but one thing she has said to me, she has always said literally over the years, thank you 
for sharing your story with me. I didn't know her. We have a relationship now, and I'm grateful that God is doing the work, but it reminded me, and I want to remind you that sometimes the work that we do of staying connected is less about us and more about who God is calling to himself. And I think as we think about this world and how we live in it, some of us may say, man, it's really hard to remain in Jesus. And I would affirm that and say, yeah, it is hard. It is challenging, not a challenge that cannot be overcome, but it can be challenging because in a world that actively rejects and opposes and ridicules faith as we know it, right? How do we remain in him? And I mean, this isn't anything new. Jesus tells us that he came into the world and the world didn't even recognize him. They rejected him. Jesus tells us again in the Gospel of John 18, the world hates you. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. <laughs> if it rejects you, remember that it rejected me first. If the world opposes you, remember that it opposed me first. That was just me adding some other things to it. But Jesus says, you don't belong to this world, but you belong to me. Even though it's challenging to live these righteous, sort of fruitful sorts of lives, without him, it's impossible to live that sort of life. When we think about the spiritual forces that actively oppose us living into who God has called us to be, can you imagine trying to do this on your own without actively leaning into and relying on the person of Jesus? Sometimes in our faith, and I know I've done this too, I, so I, I, I've been there before, we rely too much on human agency, on our capability to do things, to fix things, to make things right, and we forget about Jesus. And I mean, it's, it's, it is, it's a balance, right? Because sometimes we go human agency out of the window. I don't need to do anything, God is gonna do it, and I'm just gonna sit here and wait. And then we realize God is waiting for us. <laughs> but then there are times we go, well, I'm gonna do it and I don't need God to do it. And then God again says, I'll wait for you to invite me. This is something that we do together. Can you remain in me? As I was sitting in my devotional time uh, yesterday, and I was asking God, I said, God, you know, why haven't you fixed this particular situation that I've been kind of obsessing about lately? And I'm like, God, why haven't you fixed this? And I was starting to feel discouraged about it. And, like, I just wanted to quit. Like, I'm not going to put any effort towards anything. But then the Holy Spirit reminded me that it's not all about my human agency and my ability to do things. It is about me placing the things that I do in the hands of the master. Yes. 
that as I do that, am I remaining in him? Am I yielding my human agency and my things to the Lord? Am I walking with him? Am I really saying I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me? Or am I just saying I can do all things? We have to add Christ into the equation. We have to dwell in him. And here's the great news, friends. We don't have to figure it out and do it all alone. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. This is what he tells his disciples. He says, but instead, I will send you the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of John says that the Holy Spirit is an advocate. He's an advocate. And Jesus says that he will come from the Father. He will testify all about Jesus, reminding us of those teachings that Jesus made. Because remember, Jesus said, if you are truly my followers, you will remain faithful to my teaching. So I'm going to send an advocate, and the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of truth, he will remind you that I am from the Father. He will remind you of everything that I have taught you. Why? So you can remain in me. There is no remaining in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. There is no remaining in Jesus, what did we say, without the Word. We must know it. We must understand it. We must embrace it. But two, there is no remaining in Jesus without the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit sometimes <laughs> doesn't get enough shine. And I know, depending on your tradition, we all understand the Holy Spirit in, in various sorts of ways, right? If you grew up like me in what I call a Bapticostal sort of tradition, you understand the Holy Spirit to manifest himself in uh, ways in which people get happy. That's what we used to call it. And I remember growing up in a small Baptist church and the carpet was red, kind of like this carpet right down the middle aisle. Um, it was red and it was dusty. The seats were red, everything uh, for the blood of Jesus. But I remember when the Holy Spirit came and just start, I guess, in my mind, I was a kid hitting everybody. I don't know. Like, it was like this super rouse, like, zoo, zoo, zoo. Um, people started jumping and shouting and dancing. And I remember seeing all this dust being kicked up. Um, and people were just having a good time. And I was looking around, and I was just like, Lord, please don't let my mother catch the Holy Spirit. I'm going to lose all my street cred in Sunday school. <laughs> right. <laughs> I share that story to say we have all had experiences with the Holy Spirit in which we have understood him in a way based on our interactions. And then that time, I, I didn't understand who the Holy Spirit was, obviously. But, and it's not that the Holy Spirit does not move us to actions where we jump, we shout, we dance, we sing, right? Or we cry, or we moan, or we lay prostrate. None of those things are bad. But the Holy Spirit 
will also help you to remain. The Holy Spirit will also teach you how to love. The Holy Spirit will also remind you of the teachings of Jesus. The Holy Spirit will help you to be kind. The Holy Spirit will help you say, I'm sorry. I know. You like, I love you say, I want the fun Holy Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit that convicts me to apologize to my husband when I've been short. Right? Yeah, I had to do that. Or the Holy Spirit that has me go back to my children and say, I'm sorry. I should have said that differently. Why does the Holy Spirit even take time to do that for me, for us? It's because he's saying, I want you to remain. That in order to live a fruitful life, which produces results or things that please the Father and lead you onto a path of greater purpose in which he has called you, the Holy Spirit will remind you at various times and in various ways, remain in him. Remain in him. See, the Holy Spirit isn't only an advocate, like I just said, but he's also a helper. How many of you need help? (laughs) I know I do. The Holy Spirit, we need him to remain in him. He reminds us that we are God's witness in this world. He reminds us not to be silenced when it's time to speak up. Jeremiah, probably, well, Isaiah and Jeremiah, they are my favorite prophets in the Bible. So much so that when my mom got pregnant with my youngest brother, there's quite a gap between myself and as old, you know, they were part two. Him and my little brother were part two. They were the after 40s babies. And I remember she told us, announced her pregnancy, <laughs> and we were like, what are you doing? You know, that's how old we were, you know, those like teenagers, like, who will watch these kids? You know, um, that's what we were thinking about. <laughs> but I remember when we were sitting down and we were talking about, what should his name be? And I said, Isaiah, Jeremiah, I love the prophets and I love what they stood for. I love how they were able to remain in Jesus, even in the most difficult and challenging and pressing circumstances. I remember reading through the book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah has this instance where he's so frustrated with God that he says, I told the Lord, I'm not going to even speak anymore. I won't speak on your behalf. I will not mention the name of the Lord or his word. He said, I tried it, but then it was like what? Fire in my bones. Uh, And even when I tried to hold it in, I couldn't do it. It was like fire. See, the Holy Spirit 
can be what he needs to be to us to help us to remain. For Jeremiah, he said, it's like fire, shut up in my bones, and I could not help myself but to live into the purpose that he had called me into. He will help me to remain. God's word, which is his truth, helps us to remain. His Holy Spirit, which is our helper, our advocate, helps us to remain. And I want you to hear this so you can catch every part. When Jesus talks about this in John 15, right? And I'm taking this back there, John 15, verse 7. He says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. These are the words of Jesus. He goes, I just don't want you to produce some fruit, but much fruit. And much fruit will be equivalent with much remaining. And much remaining, if we rely on the two factors in which we just mentioned, which is reading and knowing his word, which is leaning into the Holy Spirit, those two things. Much fruit means, ah, I got to get into my word and know it. Much fruit means I can't ignore the voice and the nudging and the leading of the Holy Spirit when he comes. I, I, I have to do that because Jesus is saying, you are truly my disciples when you bear much fruit, not just when you listen on Sunday, not just when you listen on a pastoral uh, phone call of some sort or when you reach out to someone who is spiritual and they tell you something about me. But much fruit means you are leaning so much into me. And sometimes we think much is about the quantity, but sometimes much is about the quality. Jesus says, ask anything and it will be granted to you because you remain in me. And when we remain in him and have an understanding of who he is, we don't treat things like prayer, like, you know, God is a genie in a bottle or Santa, and here's my list. But we understand how to pray, right? The disciples went to Jesus and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Isn't that a funny request? Teach us how to pray, and he does, and he goes into, here's what you do, our Father who art in heaven. We all know what is now coined as the Lord's Prayer. The biggest part of that prayer for me that stands out, that's really anchored me is, as it is in heaven, let it be here in the earth. As it is in heaven. Let it be here in the earth. God wants us to bring, God wants to bring us into alignment fully and totally with him. With his desires, with his word 
And in order to do that, we must remain in him. That the greatest thing about us bearing fruit will not be about how we can point to ourselves to say how successful we are. But the point of bearing much fruit is because it brings glory to the Father. Who we are, the results of our lives or the outcome of things shows the world a bigger picture that there is a God. There is a savior. And when you remain in him, you can bear much fruit. Church, this morning what I want you to hear. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And if we can stay connected to him, we will bear much fruit. If we remain in him, we will begin to see and experience. Because sometimes seeing is not just about waiting for something to manifest. Sometimes seeing is about seeing what already exists. Have you ever lost your cell phone or your keys? It's maddening. But then you know what's even more maddening is when you're on the phone with your husband, upset because you can't find your cell phone, <laughs> only to realize you're talking on it. Sometimes seeing is like that. It's not about waiting for something to appear. Sometimes seeing is about seeing what is already there. God, may we see what is already there. Because sometimes the temptation to lean outside of the vine is because we're not really seeing what's already there. We're waiting for something to appear that already exists. My prayer for us today, and as we continue to move closer to our Savior, is that we would remain in him. Remain in him by way of reading and knowing and experiencing the joy of his word. Remain in him by leaning into and relying on the voice and the person of the Holy Spirit that will remain in Jesus so we can live our most fruitful lives, not just as individuals, but as a church, that we gather those things, we gather that fruit and we bring it to the place of worship and say, God, do with this fruit what you will. Help us to remain in you so that we can remain in your will, in your way for us. 
pray with me. Father, we thank you so much that you are a good father and you love to give good gifts. We thank you today for the gift of your word, the reminder that you are the vine and we are the branches. Thank you, Jesus, for the invitation to remain in you so that we could bear much fruit, so that we could look even more like followers of you, so that we could be and experience and embrace and be shaped by your truth concerning us. Thank you, Lord for helping us to remain in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand on your feet with us as we sing this song?